Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to another episode of the Addicted Mind podcast. My name is Dwayne Osterland, and I'm your host. And our guest today is Drew Davis. She is the founder of Gembar. Over the last decade, Drew has battled the ugly side effects of autoimmune diseases. So after experiencing some life-threatening issues with some of her autoimmune diseases, it was really time for Drew to reevaluate the toxic things in her life and move towards space and true well-being. And alcohol was one of the toxic things that had a strong hold over her. And it was really time for her to cut ties. And that's what she did. And when she did that, that's when the idea of Jim Barr was created. So she's going to talk about her experience moving through that process and creating an inclusive alcohol-free space that allows people to indulge, experience, and connect with booze-free options and sustainable wellness and self-care. Drew is going to talk about her resiliency and her drive to move forward and create this space of wellness and give people the opportunity to enjoy the social spaces without alcohol included. I really love hearing about Drew's resilience and her passion to inspire others and to create something really unique and to bring that spirit to everyone else. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you are enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, please rate and review us in iTunes. I do read them. They mean a lot to me. I think we're over 400 reviews, which continues to blow my mind. So thank you everyone who has done that. That's awesome that this information is getting out there and that people are finding the podcast and it's meaningful and rewarding to them. That really means a lot to me. And if you want to continue the conversation online, you can join our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and type in the Addicted Mind podcast and click join. All right, everyone, let's go ahead and start this episode. 
Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Addicted Mind podcast. My guest today is Drew Davis, and she is founder of The Gym Bar, which we're going to talk more about what that is and what that means. But first, Drew, why don't you introduce yourself? We're going to talk a little bit about your story and how this project all came to be, and let's go. Yeah. All right. My name is Drew Davis. I am the founder of Gem Bar. It's a bottle shop that specifically carries non-alcoholic beverages and kind of a healing and wellness space. But I live in New Jersey, I'm married with four kids, and I do suffer. Like I think I chatted with you a little bit beforehand. Like I struggle with autoimmune issues, and I know a lot of people in our country do, or like mysterious chronic illnesses. And it kind of led me on my journey to that you know, like opening this business. All right. Well, let's, let's start there then. And let's just talk about your story. And if you don't mind sharing a little bit about having an autoimmune disease and and what that is and what's that like, because I think it'll help frame why you started this whole business and why you're working in this area. Yeah. So at 18 years old, they thought I had mono. So I'm sure like a lot of people listening in like your teenage years, like they thought I had mono. I was really, really sick. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I was very tired, sluggish. So eventually they found out I had something called like chronic fatigue syndrome, Epstein's bar, which is like a an autoimmune disease. So I've always kind of had this like heavy tiredness about me, even though I am a go-getter. But you know, I was 18 years old. Like, do you like listen to the doctors and get eight right. hours? You know. You know, like, do you listen to that? Nowadays? You're like, no, I'm going to go to college and party and stay up all night and work five jobs. So as I got older, things started like getting worse with my issues. And so over the last seven years, I have been diagnosed with multiple. So I have lupus vasculitis, which is a vascular disease. I have chronic pancreatitis, which we can touch base on that a little bit more in depth to kind of that's, that was a pivotal moment for me getting diagnosed with that. I also have ulcerative colitis and fibromyalgia. So there's like, that's a handful. That's a lot. And yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm in my late thirties. So all this stuff happened in like my late twenties, early thirties. And I mean, some of the issues literally, well, the pancreatitis almost killed me. So April of 2020, we're in a pandemic. I have four kids. I'm working full time. Like I'm a director of marketing and PR and social. So you can imagine how crazy, like I was the only employee because that's all we had was PR social during that time. And I wasn't feeling well, but I'm never really feeling a hundred percent. So before we go into that, I I really want to know what it was like to struggle with like chronic fatigue. And some of these what I would say almost invisible illnesses. Not everybody can see that you're sick and not everybody can see that your immune system is going haywire, which causes this deep fatigue. And I want to know a little bit about, about that and, and living through that process. Yeah. I say it's like losing a part of you. It's almost like a death of part of you because you have to like lose your old sense. Like you can't do the things you used to do. Like you don't get up in the morning after eight hours of sleep and feel rejuvenated. You can't work out and then like not want to take a nap. You're in physical pain like 70, 80% of the time. But you have to like, for, for me as a woman, like put my makeup on, do my hair, smile, like go to work every day. But like yeah. inside, feel like you're going to like die, to be honest. It, it takes a hard toll on your mental health. 
you know, I feel like I had a lot of like depressive like episodes, not to the fact that I was, you know, medicated or anything, but like just really had a tough time, like finding happiness. Yeah, I would imagine because you're trying to do these things and you're, you're in a lot of fatigue and you, yeah. and your body's attacking itself. And, and a lot of people, I mean, in some of these, they don't know how necessarily how to treat it. They don't know what to do with it. You're kind of like lost. Yeah, I can't tell you how many labs I've had, how many doctors I've seen, how many people who like you're a medical mystery because nobody can, they never can find out why like my face actually would swell shut like somebody beat me and I wouldn't be able to open my eyes. So like in the morning, like my husband would have to like get the kids ready because my eyes were swollen shut. Oh my You know, goodness. my legs. Yeah, like I, I had a point where like my legs wouldn't like they were so swollen, you couldn't bend them. So I had to have like people like take me to appointments so it was, it's, it was like very traumatic because from the outside looking at a lot of people see me and they're like, oh, you look fine. Or like when I go to doctor's appointments and I wouldn't have those physical side effects, they'd be like, oh, you're like healthy. You look great. Like there's no way you're sick. And like inside, I'm like, something's really wrong with my body. Right. And then not getting that confirmation or people not understanding that you're suffering in this way and they're not even, I guess they can't see it. They don't yeah. know it. That has to be really hard. Yeah, it, it was, it was definitely, it, like I said, it was, I definitely feel like I lost a sense of self and I had to grieve my old self. And after years, I've slowly, like, I did turn to alcohol a lot over that time, because like more and more because the pain or like the depressive feeling, like it would take that away from me. Or like when I got home from work, I would be so exhausted, like mentally fatigued in my body. I'm like, let me just drink a glass because it would make me feel good at the moment not knowing it was adding like fuel to the fire inside that was already happening. Yeah, definitely. One of the things I, I love talking to people about is, you know, resiliency to go through hard times. Because sometimes life can be so difficult, it can be painful for all these different reasons. And one of the things you talk about is like shifting your narrative and changing your narrative. And how did you start to do that? So like I was saying in April, 2020, I was having severe pain and I specifically remember, and this sounds silly, but I was in so much pain. I told my husband, I was like, can you just pour me a vodka with a little splash of pineapple and I'm going to lay on the couch <laughs> and I, you know, like to take the edge off. Cause like, that's kind of how I dosed myself. Cause like I said, people were not really listening. So it was the only thing to like, take the pain away at the moment. And in the middle of the night I woke up and I was like, we have to go to the emergency room. And, and so I, and then I waited it out, got to the hospital they were like, we're going to take you to the ICU. And I'm like, what's happening? Like I had acute severe pancreatitis flare up. So my body was actually shutting down. So they said, if I didn't get to the hospital oh in time, I could have died. And at that moment, like I have four kids. I'm like doing a job that I don't really love, but like, I like, you know what I mean? And I like that moment I was like, what kind of, if I died right now, like what kind of legacy am I leaving? Like, did I do everything I can? Like, am I living a toxic free environment from energy to like what I put in my body. Like I just had a really like that moment, like led to my self discovery journey. And like, I was like, there's a lot of healing I have to do in order to become a better human to myself and to everybody around me. So that was a moment where you really had to look at your life, take stock and say, I, I have to do something different. I've got yeah. to do something different. Yeah. I mean, I was going to die eventually. If like I continued drinking and not listening to my body and like, you know, pushing myself, the doctors were like, you, your lifespan is, is, you could, next time you could not make it this far. 
so what started happening? I mean, what did you start doing? I mean, you have this experience, you're in the hospital, you're almost dying and you're yeah. having this moment of, uh, like, I don't want to maybe call it a moment of clarity or a moment of realization. And what do you do with that? Um, cried for three months. <laughs> <laughs> cried for three months. Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> that's what I tell people. I, I, you know, so the doctors were like, after a week there, I'm finally like, like the hospital was almost like a vacation because I didn't have any extra, like there was nothing but me just getting better there. And the doctors were like, you know, no alcohol for a year, no food, bad food. Like you're going to have to like take care of yourself. And I got home and I'm like, that's no problem. And then like two days into it, like we had a birthday party for my kid and we used to like drink on the patio, you know, it's April. And I was in the room crying and at that moment, and I cried like literally like every day for like three months. And I knew that there was so much trauma stored in my body. And I knew that that's what was causing me to be sick. Like, I don't know, just like, it's almost like something came down over me. It was like this, no medicine is going to help you get out of this. This is like unlocking that trauma, dealing with it. Cause you never, you've always numbed it out with like drugs, alcohol, partying people, whatever. And you need to like deal with it like head on so you can heal. So then you don't have to take that stuff to your children. You know what I mean? You can like start creating like a lineage of healed people. So I guess in a way you saw this trauma for the first time in a way yeah. that you could acknowledge it and begin to see it. And then what happens there? Yeah. I think like, I mean, you could probably agree with me. I think that like when that trauma sneaks up, if we're, used to covering up like a glass of alcohol or like going out with friends and partying yeah. in loud environments, like it takes that pain away or you don't think about it. So I started doing a lot and I started like, you know, doing some self-discovery healing through like journaling and like shadow work and the food I put in my body, learning more about like that. And then also like, I did a lot of research on alcohol because I was like, I'm attached to this. I don't feel like like I said, I don't feel like I'm an addict, but like, I can't let it go. Like I, I have a really, it's like that really shitty relationship, excuse my language, but like you're in a really bad relationship and you know, it's bad for you, but you keep going back to it. Right. So something was staring, saying, yeah, I've got it. This, this piece I have to remove as well. The yeah, alcohol part. It's keeping me yeah. in a way from my trauma. If I'm drinking, I can't heal my trauma. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, that and the fact that like the doctor is like, if you drink again, your pancreas could stop. I mean, that's kind of scary, you know, but really it was. <laughs> that's a good motivator. <laughs> yeah, that was a good motivator. But like at the same time, I, I do have a lot of family members and very close family members. I grew up in a house with people who had addiction and I saw that behavior, that behavior was traumatic and I never dealt with it. And I saw behaviors in me that started to be like that with my kids. And I was like, I refused. Like once I had enough clarity, like I was like, I refused to keep doing this. So yeah, I took all of that and took like a year to really heal myself. And during the process of all of that, I stumbled upon like an area of need. So as much as I couldn't drink alcohol, I really enjoyed having a pretty drink and going for happy hours with my friends. And I was to the point where I was okay doing that, but there was no alternatives. Right, right. Like I couldn't go anywhere and like, oh, I'm, can I get a, like a mocktail? People were like, I could give you a Sprite with like a lemon. And I'm like, okay, thanks. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And, and like the, the few things I did find, like I had to ship them, pay for shipping, wait for them to get here. Like if I didn't like them, I just ordered like 12 bottles because that was like how they, you know, they were shipping. 
so I decided, I was like, you know what, I'm going to open. I didn't know what exactly it was, but I knew it was going to be something like with alcohol-free alternatives and healing tools or like healing products. Right. Yeah, I felt the world needed more than that. And I needed that more. So I'm like, if I can surround myself with that and help heal myself and then start help healing others, and then we'll have like a bunch of healed people in our community. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So you you started to say, look, I, I love having these drinks. I, I love being able to do that. I love socializing, but I can't put alcohol in my body because yeah. of all of these diseases. I may have not quite the best relationship with alcohol and I, I want to do something different. I want to, I want to see something different. So you started to do that. You started to put this business together. Yeah. I call it like elevated living. When, you know, when I stopped drinking the benefits, I was like yelling at people how amazing I felt. I'm like, did you know alcohol is like the most poisonous drug in the world and they just like give it to us? You know what I mean? Like I was like this whole profound moment that a lot of people know, but I'm like, it causes inflammation and autoimmune is inflammation. Right. Like, right. you know, like my marriage got better. My relationship, my my marriage got better because my like drunken outburst or like, you know, like the, the stress of waking up hungover and trying to do everything, you know, my relationship with my children. Um, so I just started like, I started feeling like things and going outside and seeing like the wind in the trees and just like everything just blossomed for me. And so I really just wanted to share that with people. And it came through in the business gem bar. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this and how I'm going to quit my like really good job. But I knew that like, this was the next step for me either way. And like the universe was just going to have to support me. Right. And, and to, to put it out there and, and take that chance. And especially I would imagine informed by you know, these events in your life where you're like, what's my legacy? What am I going to leave behind? What am I going to give people? And I want, I want others to heal. I want to see them heal as well. Yeah, I think, yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's the main motivation for me is I know how good I feel and I see so many people suffering and, and I, family members, I've had loved ones die from addiction and I just want to, I would love for people to feel the way I feel now that I don't have alcohol or drugs in my life. Right. What about, I'm just wondering in this space, in the non-alcoholic space and having these drinks, how do people respond to that? And how do people embrace that, I guess? You know, it's been beautiful watching it actually expand and kind of explode a little bit, this non-alc space. So we were one of the first in the country to open. We opened August of 2020 and there was like one other shop we knew about. I think we were maybe the third technically. And I was like, what am I doing? Like I said, like I'm opening a non-alcoholic business in the middle of a pandemic. Like I hope people come. <laughs> so we, we, so we started online. We did rent a space, but we waited almost a year to open it to when like COVID restrictions right. and we live in Jersey. So things were like kind of crazy here being so close to New York. So we did open the space and the amount of people that I have connected with, like, I mean, the people who I, they've come in and been struggling, like it brings tears to my eyes and like warms my heart at the same time. Cause like just helping those people on their journey, like I get messages every day. It's been life-changing for them, for moms who are like, I started drinking too much during the pandemic. I'm trying to cut back or, you know, to people who are like, I've struggled with addiction for years. And I finally feel like there's an inclusive safe space for me. Yeah. You were Um, talking about earlier. I think we were talking a little bit about this, like normalizing a, a space of sobriety, normalizing a space where you can go, but you don't have to bring alcohol to it. 
No. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm not sure how you, how old you are, but I know me like sober. The word was like, Oh my gosh, if you're sober, you have a problem. Like, right. Right. And it's so much more than that to me. It's like, you know, it's actually like, I always say it's the new sexy sober is because like, it it's just a beautiful place to be when you have nothing to influence you, but you're just like your raw, authentic self. And that's what I wanted people to bring to this space. So we have like all, like I guess, walks of life, if you want to say. Like there's people in their 80s to like kids in their 20s. There's different ethnicities, genders, and everybody's just so like open and loving and kind to each other when they're in our space. And we've just connected with so many people. And it is like a safe space where you can come get your drinks. We have a little lounge. We have events. We do like healing events. We have like sound bath and Reiki, or we have like, you know, like booze free meetups where you can come and just like listen to music, have a few drinks, grab a few drinks to take home. And I don't know, it's just been something that I can't wait to expand and more people to experience. Yeah, you said something that kind of struck me. You said come as your in a way, like your authentic self, uninfluenced by anything else, just come as you are and be yourself. You don't need anything else to have a wonderful time and to be around people. Yeah, I think I think that's the main goal is that we want to project to people. And I think that the, our society teaches us the opposite. Yeah. Like there's there's always so, so much shame and guilt about being who we are a lot of times for our society and then that that causes trauma and then that causes like this like spiral that I'm like just come as you are if you you know what I mean like you could be rich poor you could be transitioning genders like whatever it doesn't matter like just be yourself and like we love you for who you are and vice versa wow really being able to create that environment and create a space for that that is not influenced by any of these drugs or anything like that yeah. So yeah, that's the goal. And that's kind of how I took like my pain. And I guess it's my purpose. I never would have thought the party girl who stood on the bar in college drinking like shots of vodka was ever going to own um, a non-alcoholic bottle shop. But it's been like, such, it, like I said, it's been one of the most beautiful things in my life. How has has this impacted you and your own healing? Like, as you do this work, as you create this space, I imagine it also impacts you. And how has it helped you heal your trauma? Well, I think it normalizes that the more people I connect with that, I sometimes you feel like you're alone in your trauma or nobody understands. Yeah. And it's nice to connect to people who understand to a certain level, who, like I said, without judgment, we can share stories or support one another. Giving back, I think giving is always healing without expectations of getting you know, receiving. So I think that that's helped me a lot. And just, you know, some days it's hard because like, some days you're you're listening to people's stories and trauma, and you're like, overwhelmed. So like some I've learned, I think a lot I've learned with this opening this store too is boundaries, like healthy boundaries. And the fact that like, today, I can't take on anybody else's story, I can be there to listen, but like, only for so long. So I think it's also helped me in that as well. Like Drew, like today you're you're gonna just be the shop, but you're not gonna take everything on. And that's something that I used to tend to do, which would you know send me into a little bit of a spiral or not like being able to take care of myself as well. So removing all that toxicity from your life, you're able to to show up more authentically and be yourself. That's that's amazing. That's what a great story. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. I mean. 
it's definitely a new journey and I can't wait to see where it expands. And I'm thankful for people like you to like share, you know, let us share our journeys. Um, and there's just so many, I think there's as a culture, like in our society where a lot of us are awakening, like awakening. Right. So like, right. You know, like there's this whole like healing and like, we don't need this. And this younger generation is like, not like I have kids come in from the college town who are like 21 buying non-alcoholic drinks for their bar. And I'm like, I look at them and I'm like, what you don't drink you know what i mean like for me because like at 21 i was like you know i mean like for me it was like there's a no-brainer i'm drinking like at least six days a week with my friends so like it's just beautiful to watch the shift and the mindset and like glamorizing not drinking normalizing not drinking what did you with that i mean it sounds like it's kind of surprising these these people coming in and and these younger generation buying this for their bars because people are asking for it and then when you started this, the people who said, no, nah, this is a crazy idea. This is never going to work. Or that that negative voice that said, what? A, a non-alcoholic bar? That's I don't know if that's going to work. How, how did you deal with that message? And how did you how did you work through that? Uh, I have to say I'm a very determined and resilient human. So my there were times where I doubted myself, you know, or I listened to them. I'm like, yeah, they're right. There's no like model like it's not like a restaurant or salon where i could like model it like somebody else this is like a whole new industry but like my gut like it would wake me up in the middle of the night or like i would stay up till two three in the morning building our website so like the passion that fueled it and like the way my gut felt was like if you don't do this you will regret this for the rest of your life like it was just like this voice in my head like if you don't do this you're going to regret this for the rest of your life and i'm like i could like i've never had that exact feeling before and i knew that i'm like okay, if you don't do this, you're going to regret it. And I think I would have now seeing the over the last like year, especially the way it is just the non-office space has exploded. Like I would have really been like, it would have been really detrimental to my healing process if I didn't do it. So you knew like, I have to follow this purpose. This is, this is, I have to do this. It's not really yeah. a choice in a way I got to go forward. Yeah, I think so. And I think like, you know, I didn't dive in too much, but like childhood and watching, you know, family members spiral and then not having these options. I think that if they would have like life would have been a little bit different. And as well as just like knowing that like, this is going to like, I'm setting a new tone and like path for it's for, for my kids too to watch me, like go for my dreams, like create something, like always do like what they want to do. You know what I mean? Like if they feel like that it's their purpose. So I think there's a little bit of both of that too. Like these are things that I would have helped my childhood be easier if there was options like this for my family. Right. To be able to to have this available and to be able to to do it. Yeah. That's that's incredible that you're manifesting it and then sharing your story too. Um, because it inspires other people to take a chance to do something different, to follow their vision, to 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 step out of safety in a way and, and step into the yeah. unknown which is scary in itself yeah yeah i said to my husband we're opening a second location so we're opening our second brick and mortar in basically like less than a year and i said to him yesterday in the car i said like we don't like have jobs and he was like what do you mean and i'm like like we don't have jobs to rely on an income anymore because like he's now like stepping away from his to, like help and i'm like what are we doing but i'm like i'm just having faith that like this gut feeling is going to help us and going to like make sure that at least we're provided for. And if not, we just will figure it out. I just fully believe that like this is where I'm supposed to be. I, I love that 
resilient spirit of just saying, you know what, I'm going to have faith. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay too. We'll figure it out. We'll be all right. And we'll keep going forward. I love that resilient spirit. Oh, thank you. I mean, make sure we promote it so people shop for me too. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, no, I totally understand. So, uh, <laughs> so as we kind of come up on our time and uh, we go yeah. through this, I usually like to ask like one question of, of people. It's if anybody out there is maybe struggling or, or thinking about maybe my alcohol relationship is not the greatest, maybe I need to change it. What would you want to tell them? What's If you could tell them one thing, what would you want to say to them? I think that if you feel that there's a problem or that you feel like you're struggling with something, then you know your gut, like always go with your gut. And you don't have to go the traditional route. A lot of people think they have to go to like AA or therapy. Like there's so many resources available online or even just reaching out to a friend. It's definitely helpful to find like your, your tribe to listen to you and like without a judgment, you know, judgment. So I think just like always know that there's like, there's hope and there's beauty and light on the other side. It's just, it's going to be dark for a minute. And it's, you know, I, I think that's expected. I think a lot of people like, it's going to be a journey, but you're going to have to buckle up and just like find the people that can help like get you to the other like side of it all. Oh, Drew, that's, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. All right. Now where can people find you if they want to, if they want to check this out and they're interested in this, where can they go? How do they find it? Yeah. So, okay. Well, if you're in like New Jersey, Philadelphia, New York, that area, and you're listening, we have two locations in New Jersey. You can find them on our website or you can order online or, you know, shop our website. We ship all over the U S our website is gemlifecollective.com. Um, and then on, you could like find us on Instagram under gem life and bar where everything's shoppable as well. That's awesome. I will put all of those links in the show notes so people can find them at the addictedmind.com as well. And Drew, just thank you for coming on and, and sharing your spirit and just showing people that your dreams are possible, that you can, you can do these things and just go for it. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I hope that everybody enjoyed all of <laughs> all of my journey. <laughs> all right, Drew. Thank you so much. Take care. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Addicted Mind podcast. As usual, all the show notes will be at theaddictedmind.com. So check that out. And if you got a lot out of this episode, please share it with a friend or leave a review in iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And also think about joining our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook, type in the Addicted Mind podcast and click join. All right, everyone, have a wonderful day and I will talk to you on the next episode.
I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how-tos for navigating all the things sober, from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories, and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.